0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight we are recapping the last couple of games for the Jayhawks. They had a very successful week last week. Um, and here to help me talk about it, as usual, is Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Chalk Talk. Fetch, how you doing tonight? Hey, good. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. So, the you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to talking about what happened on the court, like talk about the actual games, not all the fun stuff going on around it, because let me tell you, there was some, some interesting stuff going on there, but that's where we'll leave that. Um, <laughs> the, the, the opening game of the week against Texas, a 75-72 overtime loss uh, to the Longhorns down in Austin. Um, first of all, before we get into the specifics of the game, like what were your overall thoughts from the game? Did you think that the result of that game hurt Kansas in any way?
1: So, you know, probably not. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where Texas, um, just in general or in a vacuum, I guess, isn't all that great, uh, to me anyway, but, um, you take a look at them as a, as a matchup for Kansas and they're a, a really difficult matchup just because of all the, the big men they have, all the long rangey athletes. Obviously they're deep in the backcourt. I mean they have a, a ton of talent. Um so the, the loss certainly wasn't surprising to me. I guess if you want to take a uh uh take a positive view at it, I mean they were uh a missed wide open David McCormick dunk away from from winning in regulation and obviously, you know, every possession that changes probably changes the possessions after it. So you uh Can't really do that, um, you know, 100% accurately, but uh, they went to overtime in a game where David McCormick missed a, (laughs) you know, pretty wide open dunk there uh, down the stretch, and then obviously, you know, they they drew up a really good play to tie it at the end of overtime and that, uh, uh, you know, Jalen Wilson just lost the ball out of bounds and stuff, which, you know, happens. So, um, you know, Kansas needed a a couple of things to go uh, really wrong in order not to win, and Um, I think they also controlled the game for a good, you know, 30, 35 minutes of that game. It was just Texas had uh, that spurt in the second half where they were getting mostly everything that they wanted. And that really hurt Kansas. And and uh, Kansas's inability to uh, score easily kind of came back to bite them a little bit. But on the whole, I I think probably a, a pretty positive outcome, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I mean, the big thing that I noticed for the Jayhawks is that I mean, they they had a stretch where it wasn't that they were playing bad basketball. They literally just weren't able to make shots. And unfortunately with the, you know, with the lineup that they have here, um it's going to be, you know, they're going to go through stretches where, you know, all the shooters that are inconsistent are going to be not shooting well at the same time. Unfortunately, it's kind of just the way it works. Um I you know, one of the big I think things that swung this game was McCormick getting into foul trouble, um you know, kind of him him fouling out when he did obviously didn't help. Um, I will say, though, like if, if you know, if, if Kansas, instead of trying to drive at the end of regulation uh, to get a shot there, had instead shot the wide-open three, there's a very good chance that, uh, you know, that that they would have actually hit that three and would have won the game in regulation. And then, of course, yeah, Jalen Wilson fumbling the ball as he's getting ready to go up for a layup and missing, like, the wide-open just gimme that would have sent it to double overtime means that they they probably would have had a chance at that point to, to go ahead and win the game. You had to feel good going into set, to the second overtime with the way that they were able to kind of fight back there. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's also kind of one of those things though, this Texas team, and, and we actually talked about this, this Texas team matches up really well uh, to face a team like Kansas. They're one of the few teams in the big 12 that really just like is the perfect matchup in terms of going against this Kansas team and Kansas still with our defense was almost able to lock them down enough to be able to win you know a tough game on the road kind of what you were saying though I don't think this is gonna actually hurt the Jayhawks it obviously would have been nice to get that win um, you know and kind of would have solidified them as a the number three seed at this point um, but I, I also don't think that it really hurt them too much um, it really the only thing it did was keep them from locking up a three seed at this point without another big win um, I just don't think that even you know even if they were to you know win the game against UTEP, win their first round game and maybe potentially lose in like the semifinals of the big 12 tournament or something like that. Um, you know, that, that they easily are going to get a three at this point, unless just a bunch of other teams below them go, go crazy. Or you know, like a team like Texas goes ahead and beats West Virginia and Baylor, you know, to win the big 12 tournament or something like that. Um, like, I don't think that Kansas is in, is in any kind of position to lose out on being one of those top four protected seeds from the, from the, from the big 12. So they should be just fine. It's going to hurt them too bad. It just would have been nice. You know to go ahead and get that win, uh, avoid the sweep from Texas for the year. Um, you know one less thing for people to kind of talk about um, happening against Kansas this year. Or so, but uh, any anything specific from this individual game that kind of jumps out to you? Any any players that you think deserve special mention here, um, or you know any, any anything else specifically that you wanted to highlight?
1: Yeah, well, I think I think just quickly, I think that uh, Kansas is uh, for sure going to get. I mean, assuming they don't lose to UTEP. Um, I think that they're for sure going to be a a four seed, even if they lose that first game in the Big 12 tournament. So I I think that that is at worst what they're going to do. And uh, I think you're right. I think if they can even win a quarterfinal game in the Big 12 tournament against, it's looking like probably they're going to have to beat Texas Tech again, which uh, probably not the team you want to face. Just given the way that they play, Uh, they're obviously going to make things difficult on you. Although I do think Kansas matches up uh, pretty well with them. So I mean, we can get to all that later, but. Uh, as for the Texas game, um, yeah, I mean, Ultravaji going five of uh, 11 from three after having a little bit of a slump, I mean, that was huge. You know, if he can uh, pull it together and, and start shooting the three a little bit better and stuff. I mean, that just gives Kansas such a great weapon to have on the outside and something that they really need uh, going forward because, like I mentioned already, they have some, some difficulties getting some easy points. And um, one thing they've really improved on, is uh, they're, they're getting open shots with a lot more regularity than they did earlier this season. And uh, if they can make those, I mean, I think they, they still have the opportunity to make a nice run in the NCAA tournament. And uh, Abaji making threes is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, key to, to doing that, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's one of those things where... You don't even necessarily need both Baji and Brown to be on. You need one of them to be making, you know, somewhere around 40% of their shots. And, you know, you had Brown went two of four. My only complaint about what Brown did in this game is that he wasn't shooting the three enough. And I think this is a point that you made on Twitter. Like, if he's two of four, there's absolutely no reason he should be two of four. He should be, you know, even if he was like two of eight or two of 10, like, that would be much preferable to two of four. Because if you're shooting 50%, you only shot four of them. It means you're not shooting enough. Um, because you are one of the main weapons from three for this team, um, you know. So hopefully, it's not it's not it's like a, a pattern that's going to keep continuing, where our main three point shooters are just going to be hesitant and not trying to shoot the three because that's the way that they're going to be able to do anything in terms of deep runs in March. They're going to have to get guys going. They're going to have to be taking high volumes of three point shots. Um, you know, unless McCormick is just going absolutely ballistic from down low, and he didn't do that in this game. He was five of nine you know, only went two of four from the free throw line. So it's not like he was, you know, putting up 17 shots or something like that. And that's why there weren't a lot of opportunities for Brown. Um, It looks, it literally just looked to me like Brown was passing up open shots. There was even one time where he like had a wide open three, decided to put the ball on the floor and dribbled and then ended up taking a guarded three because he hesitated and like opened up the opportunity for Texas to close out on it. So it definitely seems to be like, he's still not fully like mentally where he needs to be for him to, to be that, you know, one of those linchpins for them in the tournament. Hopefully he can get it worked out with this game against UTEP, you know, and whatever games they have in the Big Twelve tournament, because they are going to need him in the tournament if they want to get past the first weekend.
1: Yeah, and Brown has done, I think, a, a pretty good job of um, making himself valuable, even when he's not shooting. Uh, you know, Fair defense kind of comes comes and goes a little bit, but uh, on the glass, he's such an important weapon and, and really good at obviously going after those uh, those loose balls. But you're right; I mean, and uh, the the guys over at Rockshock Blog—I I forget who runs their uh, Twitter account—but they're really good at pointing out that uh, Brown really needs to to shoot more threes in order to be fully. Um, effective on offense you know I I, I think him uh, attacking the paint is is fine but he's not uh, a great passer um, he's you know kind of inconsistent at scoring at the rim um, I, I just assume he take that wide open three um, you know a lot of people have talked about uh, in the comment section that you know sometimes he doesn't take those threes because guys are closing out and stuff and uh, I think it's probably because he has a, a relatively slow release, and so it takes him a while to, to take those shots, and that's why he takes those really deep ones versus ones right at the line. But, um, you know, I, I think I agree with you that, you know, if he is two for four, even if he ends up two for ten, I think it's a better uh, thing in the long run for Kansas uh, for him to shoot those threes, if only for, you know, the spacing and, and all that stuff and, and how it helps uh, free up McCormick inside and, and help free up driving lanes, which they desperately need to do as well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of those things. You know, he is one of the main three point shooters, and this team has to be successful from three, um, at least. You know, over the course of the entire tournament, if they're wanting to go deep, you know, it's it's actually kind of weird because I almost said that you know in any of the particular games, but we'll actually talk about what happened in that Baylor game because I think I was you know while I predicted or I correctly predicted that Kansas was going to win and they were going to win somewhat comfortably. Um, like I, that's not the way I saw that game going at all, but we'll, 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 get to that here in just a minute. The Texas game specifically though, was there anything else that kind of jumped out to you? Cause I, I mean, I found it interesting that despite the, the struggles that Jalen Wilson had uh, with, with some ball control, he wasn't shooting very well from three, um, but he was absolutely a beast on the glass. You know, he had 13 rebounds all by himself, which, you know, McCormick only had four <laughs> on, on the game. So, like, Wilson was, like, the main guy who was really on the boards for them, um, you know, and he he went 7 of 11 from the free throw line. He was the MVP, according to, Pen, according to Ken Palm, in this game, um, even over, you know, anyone on the Texas team that actually won the game. So um, he had a phenomenal performance in this game, and they just didn't quite have enough to actually pull it out at the very end. I, I mean, but I, I do think that kind of his performance in this game, a lot of people seem to be you know, tainting their, their view of what he did in this game by the fact that he fumbled that easy, easy layup right at the end of, of the overtime there. So, I mean, thoughts about his particular game? Any, anything in particular that you thought he really needs to improve upon
1: other than obviously holding on to the ball when you're going up for an easy layup? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think maybe the one thing, um, and I'm going to check this so I don't look like an idiot if I'm wrong, yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing is, you know, you'd like to see him shoot a little bit higher percentage from three, but, you know, he's right at 33% for, for the season, and so another, you know, four or five makes, and he's up at, you know, the high 30%, so that's nothing really to to be too upset about. Um, I guess that would be the, the one thing, but uh, really good to see him um, kind of back to normal and back to where he was at the start of the season and uh, knowing when to attack and, and knowing when to defer a little bit more. Um, defensively, he's playing hard. I, I have some... Questions about his on-ball defense, but I think off the ball is generally pretty good. And obviously, with his length, I mean, he can uh, defend down low and, and uh, you know, also play on the perimeter, uh, both offensively and defensively, which is really huge for the versatility. Um, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear at this point that Tristan Netanyahu has been kind of removed from the rotation. So I think when Kansas does go to that five-small lineup, it's going to be a lot of Jalen Wilson uh, as the big man, um, which I, I think they're going to need to do when McCormick is on the bench. Um, so I, I think it's just a, you know, a real positive sign that he was able to, to come back and, and have a really strong game against Texas, and I think the team overall, uh, and, and we'll talk about this in the Baylor one too, but uh, if you look at all the shots that they got, I mean, they were able to get uh, the looks that they wanted on offense for the most part um, any they wanted it, really, um, which is a, a huge key. They, they turned it over, I mean, only 15% of their possessions, which is uh, generally really good, although Texas uh, is a, a very poor turnover forcing team, so you would have probably even liked to see that be uh, even less. And they still have the tendency to kind of uh, throw the ball away at times, uh, you know, the the unforced errors, so to speak. But um, in general, I think they were able to, to do a really good job of, of get open looks kind of whenever they want, and and uh, did a really good job, I think, of um, stopping Texas from from getting open looks. Other than, you know, like I said, that that little five minutes rush in the second half there.
0: Yeah, I mean I thought they did really well defensively. You know, the other thing too is that Texas overall doesn't, you know, typically turn the ball over at a at a horrible clip. Um they turned it over on twenty one and a half percent of their possessions in this particular game. So I mean this is this is one of those where they did basically everything that they needed to do in this game except for finish it off. Um, like this is a performance that you'd be extremely happy with if it happened in the, in the NCAA tournament where, you know, if they lost a game like this, yeah, you could point to a couple things, you could point to a couple, you know, like coulda, woulda, shoulda. But for the most part, like you you have to be happy with that performance. Um, and, you know, the, given what they had done, you know, in their their stretch prior to this, um, before the easy games they had that kind of got them going, um, you know, this was a much, much better performance than obviously the shellacking they took from Texas earlier in the year. Uh, you know, even the games they had against Baylor and Oklahoma, um, like all of that stuff there. So it's, I'm not necessarily too worried about it. Obviously you would have liked to have the win instead of the loss there, but it's not a big deal. I thought they played really well and it was still a huge improvement. Bill Self, I think said it best that, you know, they didn't really have anything that they needed to work on in terms of like things that they really needed to fix in practice. They just needed to execute better in game time, which there's some variance there anyway, so like they could work on a whole bunch of stuff, and there's no guarantee that it's going to get any better than it was in that particular game. Um, like it, they weren't fundamentally unsound or anything like that. It was just a matter of they didn't execute in key spots when they absolutely had to, um, in like every single key spot that they had to. They had quite a few things go wrong at, at certain spots, and we're still almost able to win that game. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not concerned about this game. I don't know that I really have that much more to take away from it. So unless you had something else that you wanted to say. About this, and I'll give you the opportunity here in just a second. But um, you ready to move on to the Baylor game?
1: Yeah, I think I think we covered the the Texas game pretty well.
0: In that case, let's do it. So obviously, Baylor uh, can, or Baylor came to Lawrence uh, on Saturday. Kansas ended up winning seventy one to fifty eight, so a thirteen point win. Um, you know, were you surprised by this game, either the results or how the game went, or? the fact that Jared Butler looked absolutely atrocious in this game because of what Marcus Garrett did, which one I, I guess is the most surprising to you.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, suppose probably the Jared Butler one, um, even though obviously even Marcus Garrett is the the best perimeter defender in college basketball. And, and he's held down players who are, are just as good, if not better than, than Jared Butler before, but uh, Butler has, has always played really well against Kansas and I kind of expected him to do so again, but yeah, just a, I mean, a hell of a, uh, Performance by Garrett. I mean, the fact that he only took two two-point attempts uh, was insane. Um, you know, never mind the fact that he uh, only had five points. I mean, just, just the, the sheer number of, of shot attempts from two was the uh, most impressive thing uh, for me. And a lot of those threes that he took were were not very good ones either. So, um, just a, a really impressive um effort by Kansas uh, I think probably the, the most you know listen I mean when you're when you're talking about Baylor you're thinking of a team that uh you know really imposes their will and, and really you know kind of goes out there and takes what it wants and in Kansas was the team that did that uh on Saturday I mean they got looks at the rim they got open threes uh they really made Baylor look out of sorts uh, on offense um and and you know canvas really h- uh, out hustled them on the glass i mean a lot of 50 50 balls went their way um you know i, I just think it was a, a really complete performance but the the most impressive part to me other than that was the fact that they did it shooting three of 16 from three uh and ochai avaji and, and jalen wilson were both uh, offensively anyway frankly pretty bad in this game so uh, the fact that two of their three best uh, offensive players, or, or four best, I guess, depending on how you feel about Marcus Garrett, um, did nothing, uh, really. And Kansas still won the game really comfortably, uh, was, was really impressive, and I think should um, you know, make Kansas fans a lot more optimistic about this team's ceiling uh, later this month yeah i mean really
0: this like the story of this game is the fact that david mccormick went eight of ten from inside and then was a perfect four of four from the free throw line you know Kansas shot 67 percent from two-point range and a lot of that was because they kept feeding it down to mccormick who to be completely honest had pretty much whatever he wanted this entire game um like you said, it was fairly impressive the fact that they, you know, only went three of sixteen. But even more impressive, I think, was the fact that Baylor only turned the ball over three times, whereas Kansas turned the ball over fourteen times on t- almost twenty three percent of their possessions. Baylor turned it over on less than five percent of their possessions, and they still won comfortably, you know, by thirteen. Which, you know, I, I actually was looking back at your prediction props for for getting the margin right. Just the score flipped, kind of like I did against. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I did that a couple times earlier this year, like the Oklahoma State game, uh, the, the one where Oklahoma State lost. I had the margin right, but the team flipped. I actually had the exact score right, but I had the actual teams who like who got the scores flipped. Um, so yeah, but anyway, like I, I, I looked at this game, and I mean, I kind of saw the overall themes coming because go, you know, Baylor coming off of the COVID pause, you know, dealing kind of with what they had, and it hadn't actually come out yet exactly what was going on with baylor during that gigantic pause that they had um but you could tell the game that they played against iowa state that they were kind of taking some time to try to come back it was you know they they were struggling a little bit coming off of the covid pause which is pretty normal if you actually look around college basketball for teams that went on a long pause that it takes them some time to ramp up this kansas team was extremely motivated you know i I thought they were going to shoot better from three than they actually did but I mean, they didn't need it because they were able to kind of really do whatever they wanted inside. And obviously it was absolutely vital that Marcus Garrett was able to shut down um, Jared Butler. I mean, he only scored five points. He didn't have his first bucket until the second half, uh, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal. And so like, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else I can, can actually say about this game. I, I guess my question for you then is which, which performance do you think was more important, what Marcus Garrett did or what David McCormick did?
1: Um. You know that's, that's a great question. I think it probably has to be what Marcus Garrett did. I mean, because uh, he still played pretty well offensively as well. Um, so just just overall, I mean, he was really good. David McCormick, obviously, you know, very good. Um, started with a little bit of a uh, little bit of foul trouble early and, and ended up fouling out, but um, was pretty good defensively as well. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, defensively. Uh, most of his shots weren't flukes either. I mean, he had a couple of those mid-rangers and a couple turnarounds and stuff. But most of the time, he got good position, sealed his man, and, and had a, a pretty easy uh, pretty easy shot at the basket. So um, that was really good. But um, I, I think with that, you also have to credit the uh, perimeter players for giving him the ball in, in position to score, which is something they definitely were not doing uh, earlier this year. So I think that that um, has definitely contributed to more Cormac's rise, but yeah, Garrett, when you look at, at what he did, um, defensively, uh, just, just super impressive, really good job of, um, you know, taking Butler out of the game and, and, uh, taking, you know, really whoever he was guarding out of the game the entire night.
0: Yeah. And really like uh, in the, in the preview that I did, uh, with Kendall over at, at our daily bears before the game, you know, he was talking about how, when, when Kansas goes small goes five guard, um, that actually plays to Baylor's advantage. I think, What what didn't end up getting talked about there, though, was like that only works if Baylor actually can go small and has five players that are able to be productive. When you shut down one of what they do because they run so much through Baylor or through Butler, you know, run so much through like the main three guards that they have. If you shut one of them down, it disrupts the entire flow of the entire offense. And I mean, I I do think, though, that what David McCormick did down low and what Mitch Lightfoot did in, you know, kind of the time that he was actually on the floor was super impressive defensively because, you know, you look at Flo Thamba, you look at uh, Tachamwa Tachachua, like, look at what they did. They they scored 11 points total between the two of them in, in the 30 minutes that they were on the floor. You know, those are their, their big guys that actually get normal time here. You know, and then, like, while Vital plays as a big guy a lot of times, he's not, you know, he's not your traditional big guy. And he gives up, you know, three inches to, to Lightfoot. And so, like, what you saw was that Lightfoot was able to kind of bully the 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 big guys that were on the floor and actually use the energy that he has to play really good defense um like i thought that was absolutely crucial for them to have that good defense down low as well like obviously i think what garrett did was phenomenal on butler and really disrupted what baylor wanted to do but they didn't have an easy way to kind of get a bailout by going down low and really jumping on on anybody because mccormick played really really strong defense down low even though he ended up fouling out um you know, you then had Lightfoot kind of stepping in and doing a really, really good job as well um, and kind of keeping that going. And so overall, it was an absolutely phenomenal defensive performance from everybody on the team. And, and, And honestly, I think that's the biggest takeaway to me is that even on a game where they don't have a really good offensive performance, you know, they're shooting really horribly from three, that defense is now at the point where we expect Bill Self to have his team defensively. They can lock people down. They can really you know, decide what aspect of your game that they want to take away. And that gives them the advantage, gives them the ability to really dictate the pace of how the game's going and give themselves an opportunity, um, you know, to to kind of pivot to whatever's working for them that evening to be able to then go ahead and pull out the win. All right. Any any final thoughts uh f- about this Baylor game from your fetch? Uh no, I think uh, I think we cover it pretty good. All right, sounds good. I do want to go ahead and take a look at what's coming up. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk Podcast. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you, the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. All right, so obviously, um, you know, it's the end of the conference season for the Jayhawks. They were able to go ahead and add a game here up against UTEP coming up on Thursday. Um, before we, well, I don't know how much you actually want to talk about this particular game because, like you said on Twitter, you haven't really watched too much of what UTip does. They're ranked 138th in Ken Palm. I don't think there's any real worry about this being a difficult game for the Jayhawks at all. But is there anything about this matchup or anything like you, that you're looking for this week that you think is going to jump out here?
1: Well, I think you know it's, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good opponent for them to have. I mean, an opponent that they're probably not going to lose to. Um, gives them an opportunity to, you know, get some get some games in, get some minutes in here before the the Big 12 tournament starts next week. It, it would be interesting. I mean, I, I think maybe they should have played, like, on Saturday. I mean, a week off seems like a, a pretty long time off, but who knows, you know, with team schedules and stuff, I guess you, you kind of uh, can't be too. An interesting thing, I guess, to point out is that uh, uh, old friend Jamal Viennemi, who played his first two seasons, uh, the last two seasons at Oklahoma, uh, transferred to UTEP, and, and he's playing for them this year, and uh, not doing too bad, uh, seventh in the uh, in the conference in uh, assist rate, um, been a, you know, pretty decent little shooter, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised he transferred from uh, Oklahoma, to be honest with you, he didn't, uh, you know, didn't really shoot a ton and stuff when he was there, but he, he looked pretty good to me when, whenever Candles played him, and obviously that's a you know, pretty small sample size compared to what he did uh, the rest of the time. But I I think he was good enough to play Big 12 basketball. So uh, the fact that he made his way to, I guess, I don't even know, it's Utah. what, Conference USA? Is that where they're at? Yeah, I had to to look that one up. Um, (laughs) The fact that he, uh, you know, landed in the Conference USA is is kind of surprising to me given uh, the potential I thought he showed. But that's probably the one, you know, uh, interesting angle from this one for me other than just, you know, hopefully Kansas can – go out there and, and keep improving and, and, uh, you know, build up some, uh, you know, good habits and stuff for the big 12 tournament.
0: Yeah. To, to your point, talking about like, you would rather play on, on, uh, you know, Thursday or Saturday instead of Thursday, I do believe that part of the reason for that, um, is that, you know, the, the, the conference tournament for them, assuming that they're actually able to make the conference tournament, their first game would actually be on Tuesday. So like if they're able oh, okay. to, to actually be there, um and and i'm I'm actually trying to look i don't think that the seeding is actually set yet for the conference usa tournament and so i believe that that's what's going on is that they're fighting for one of the last seeds and so (laughs) like they need some things to kind of go their way but if they actually do you know get in there as one of those final seeds they want to make sure that they're not playing a game and then you know three days later turning around and playing another game um you know for for that conference tournament so it's one of those things like, yeah, I think if, if you're Kansas, you probably would have preferred to have it because, you know, Kansas isn't even going to be playing um, on the Wednesday game. Like they're going to be playing on Thursday. So yeah, it is the full week. But that's also like, if you're trying to shake off rust, going a week between games isn't necessarily a big deal. It also gives them an opportunity to actually get some practice in and kind of be well-rested and, you know, whatever they might need to do um, going to that game, depending on who that matchup is. So I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think there's really anything, To take away from this particular game anything really to kind of preview Kansas should have their way in this game their defense is absolutely phenomenal compared to what UTEP's offense is and like yeah their offense is like barely or it's like right at the top 50 mark for Kansas like nationally but UTEP is not uh it's not that great defensively so like it's one of those things the the expectation is Kansas should probably win this one quite comfortably somewhere in the range of like 15 to 20 points unless they just throw in all the scrubs it'll also kind of be a nice send-off for marcus garrett uh you know in kind of his actual official final game um at home it'll be a good opportunity i think for the other guys that are seniors even though they're they're coming back guys like like mitch lightfoot um you know to actually get a decent amount of of playing time here and really just make this a tune-up to go into conference tournaments um you know i would expect that the starters are probably not going to play a lot of minutes like maybe you know 25 minutes or so at the most for all of them so um, the idea I think obviously is to try to get as many people as much time as possible so that they are all ready to go if they're needed in the tournament. So I like, this yeah, is probably yeah. the best that you can hope for. I just like, I, I saw a lot of people saying that they should have played someone a little bit better, like maybe played in Arizona or an Arizona state, like someone, someone that was a decent, you know, a decent team that would potentially give them a challenge. And I think they've had enough challenges in conference. I don't know that they really want to add another challenge here. It's really just about making sure they don't get rusty and that like whatever they're working on in practice this week. That they're actually going to be able to use that and see if it works in a game and then do some additional tweaking before they get into conference tournament play.
1: Yeah, let's see, uh, let's see some T hand minutes. That's what I want to see. Oh, I would love yeah. to see some T hand minutes.
0: You know, it would be absolutely it phenomenal. Would, I would love to see like T hand be like the third leading scorer in this game because he played for like like 12 or 13 minutes when everyone else is kind of just screwing around.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because they're, you know, both he and Lightfoot have announced that they're coming back. So, you know, they're not. I mean, yeah, they're seniors, but they're not really seniors. So normally you would expect, you know, them to start. But I mean, maybe they won't. Uh, maybe they won't do that with them coming back. But yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of of time for Keyhan to come in and, and get, you know, hopefully like ten, fifteen minutes uh, of playing time in the second half. You know, so hopefully Kansas goes out there and. And uh, puts up a big lead early. Although I, <laughs> I, did, I did say right after the Baylor game on Saturday, it would be kind of funny if Kansas went on and lost to UTEP, given that you know uh, all of the uh, um, conspiracy theorists are saying that Kansas added this game just so they uh, wouldn't lose uh, on senior night. But um, I don't, I don't think there's too much danger of that happening. But uh, well, the other thing happen. too They're is
0: close. like. Th- the other thing too, is that officially that Baylor game was senior night. Like if you look at right, at the way that right. they're, they're talking about everything. So like if they had lost that Baylor game, sure. There might've been some people that decided that they wanted that streak to continue. That would have called the UTEP game senior night. But like, if you look in the Kansas record books, like the Baylor game is the official senior night. That's when they did senior night speeches. Like that's when they did everything. Um, so like, it'll still go down. They, they extended that streak, uh, you know, against a much more difficult opponent than what they could have done here. Um, This really is just all about rust. And while I'm uh, hoping that they get their reserves quite a bit more minutes, I would love to see this be like an Enaruna, you know, like get get Enaruna and, uh, you know, a bunch of these other guys, a bunch of minutes that they wouldn't normally get. Um, Like that, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal because you want to shake all the, the rust off your normal starters. But like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing like in the second half, if, you know, Garrett doesn't play, McCormick doesn't play any of that stuff and they just kind of shut them all down at halftime and see how they, how they go from there. I mean, I, I realize that some people might hold it against them if they don't blow the, you know, the, the, doors off of them in the second half. But if you add in that context that like they really use this as a tune up game, I, I don't think that it would be that big of an issue. And I would absolutely love to see those guys get, you know, a decent number of minutes there, but we'll see how all that works out. Um, all right. Any other, any other final thoughts? Or are you ready to start talking about like conference
1: tournament stuff? Oh yeah. Let's- conference tournament
0: let's do it yeah so i don't know how much big 12 conference tournament we can talk about other than the fact that like because everything is still jumbled up enough that kansas has no idea who their draw is going to be like i've seen depending on how everything goes it could be anyone in the first round like kansas could be theoretically well
1: they're not locked in as the number three seed are they uh that is a great question i could not i tell thought you. i, think I drop- thought there was
0: still an opportunity there from the drop to a four
1: but so but I, but I it believe it's like going to
0: require either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma to win out from
1: here. Most likely Oklahoma if State. I am, if but, I am looking at this, it looks like they could be anywhere from a 2 to the 4.
0: Okay, okay. That That's what I was thinking. Like, a, a 2 is going to require West Virginia to lose out, uh, including the game that they just lost against Baylor. Um, and, you know, Kansas obviously would have to – I believe it's also going to avoid – like, they have to avoid certain tiebreakers or something like that as well. Whereas a 4 – I believe it's Oklahoma State, um, you know, or actually it might even be Texas if Texas jumps up and is able to get into a, a, a two way tie or a, a three way tie with them that it, it could force them down. But really, I think what it comes down to here is that, you know, Kansas is, is going to be facing probably a team like either Texas Tech or Oklahoma, maybe Texas, depending on how well Texas does. Um, is there a particular matchup that you're hoping that they get in that first round matchup for the Big 12 tournament?
1: Well, it's a a bit of a risk given what we just said about how you know they match up, but I think if they can get Texas and beat them, um, that will uh, obviously it will only have one win against them, but I think it would you know permanently get them uh, above Texas in the uh, uh, you know pecking order for the um, for that four slash three seed. I guess it would be, um, although I, th- I think Oklahoma is the same. You know, they've they've obviously split with Oklahoma and. You know, Oklahoma bracket matrix right now is listed as the uh, the highest five seed, um, but with a couple of you know nice performances and stuff, might be in in the running for a four seed. So, uh, if Kansas can uh, um, if Kansas can beat them, I mean that would that would put them above uh, Oklahoma, I think. And, and same thing with Texas. So, probably one of those teams, I would think. Um, I think probably the the important one for Kansas is going to be. Uh, if they can get into the Big 12 semis and, and play West Virginia and, and beat West Virginia, um, I, I really think that's going to give them uh, a three seed for sure. And depending on what happens with some of these other uh, teams, I, I think they could maybe sneak into the two seed discussion, although I think probably, you know, they would have to win the Big 12 tournament to do that. And, and the three is probably their ceiling if they don't. But that West Virginia game would be the the big one, I think, to to worry about.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think getting a two seed is going to require them to win the Big 12 tournament. It's going to require probably for them to jump ahead of West or at least pull even with West Virginia prior to the Big 12 tournament. Because if, you know, if if West Virginia wins out um, and they like face Kansas in the semifinals or in the finals and Kansas wins a close one. Um, like I I could still see an argument for West Virginia being above Kansas based off of, you know, kind of the way things have gone towards the end of the season. I don't know that I personally would put them there, but I could actually still see that argument, but they're also going to need some, some chaos, I think in the big, in the big 10, because there's a lot of teams kind of up there for the big 10 that are kind of clustered. Um, if they end up playing all, all playing against each other in the big 12 tournament or in in the big 10 tournament, um, I think it's going to be hard for Kansas to jump as many as they need to, to get up into the two line. Um, even if, you know, they were to beat West Virginia and and hop over there. So, um, it's going to require a little bit, like, I think it's going to require at least two big 10 teams either to, you know, like dive bomb through the rest of their big 10 schedule. Um, or it's going to require a, a few of them to lose early, I think, in the Big Ten tournament. But it is still a possibility. I think the 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 safest bet right now is that Kansas is probably going to be a 3C. They're going to be protected from playing a team like Baylor or West Virginia until the Final Four, uh, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal for them. It's just a matter of making sure that you actually get to that point where maybe you can try to get some revenge on some of those teams in the actual NCAA yeah. tournament.
1: So um, I think – so Here's here's kind of just a, a brief look at where I think they'll end up here. Uh, in terms of the Big 12 standings. um, If West Virginia wins out, obviously they're the two-seed. If not, and Kansas is tied with West Virginia, and only those two are tied, then Kansas is the two-seed because they split with Baylor and and West Virginia. uh, Well, I would say got swapped. They only played them once. Um, And then uh, obviously if if Oklahoma State – well, so not Oklahoma State uh, is – uh, oh, if Oklahoma State wins twice, no, Kansas would still win because Kansas has that win over Baylor. Um, in Oklahoma State, well, Oklahoma State would too. Well, that's win. that's oh, the other thing to think this about, getting, though.
0: This is getting is very that
1: complicated. At
0: this it's going to be almost impossible for Kansas to actually tie with any of these teams because Kansas, I think, is one of uh, I think there's only three teams in the Big 12 that are actually playing their full slate, so it's going to oh. go by like percentage points, but right. Like, West Virginia is going to be missing one. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma state's going to be missing one. So all the teams that they could potentially tie with aren't actually going to have a full 18 games. They're only going to have 17.
1: Are they doing that thing where they add losses? If you don't have, it's, it's only if you're not played?
0: within it's, it's only if you have played less or more than four games, less than the average of all the teams that have played. So the only team that potentially okay. could have to add losses would be Baylor. Okay yeah so so right it's going to go by five percentage points which means that kansas is going to essentially it's going to be impossible for them to really be tied with anybody i think really what you have to worry more about is just staying ahead of some of these teams so um yeah i don't even think that the tiebreakers come into play unless it's i forget what the other teams are that's going to have the full slate i had it here just a little bit ago and i completely misplaced it but um yeah so it's really just going to come down to to you know where they end up but Either way, I think it's going to be a good tournament. We'll obviously talk more about it next week when we actually know what their draw is going to be. Um, so before we get out of here for the night, because we're, we're running short on time here, um, I was going to throw it to you for a random sports minute, but instead I have a feeling I might know where you potentially would be going. And instead I'm going to ask you, with how weird this season has been, it's about time for the great, one of the greatest events in all of the sports calendar. That is the Jerome that I'm talking about. Um, first of all, did you get your Jerome entry in already? And how weird uh, do you think the tournament's going to be this year with all of the kind of COVID weirdness
1: going around? Well, I, I think this year, I think I'm, I'm going to win it because I spent about 35 seconds on my entry. And, and other than uh, Big 12 basketball, I've watched, I've watched a couple of Summit League games, obviously, because of uh, the other uh, college I attended. But other than that, I've watched really zero college basketball outside of those two conferences. So uh, I think those two things uh give me a huge leg up uh in the Jerome this year so count me in as a winner forward me whatever prize it is already and uh (laughs) yeah
0: yeah we'll see how I mean like I I put about as much thought into it as as I normally do but I think this weird you know this year I didn't do very well last year so this year I'm hoping that the weirdness works to my advantage okay we have about 30 seconds did you have a a different random sportsman you want to talk about really quick
1: Very quickly, uh, Women's Canadian Curling Championship just wrapped up on Sunday called the Scotties. Uh, Team Carrie Anderson, who was Team Canada, which is the defending champions, uh, repeated for the first time in six or seven years uh, when that uh, was done by Ontario's uh, Rachel Holman, who was actually the finalist uh, in this one and has lost now three finals in a row, kind of the Buffalo Bills of curling, except for she's uh, actually won. And uh, she did the whole tournament Uh, while eight months pregnant. So very impressive uh, by her and very impressive by all the teams.
0: Interesting. Yeah, no, I I don't follow curling nearly enough to have any idea about any of that stuff you talked about. But I, I do find it interesting when I actually get a chance to watch it. So I'll have to see if I can catch it a little bit more here. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, if you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email. Email at rockchalkpodcastgmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also get your voice on the show. Do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message. Leave us a voicemail. I promise we'll get it on the show for you. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
1: Podcast Network.